Welcome to a special edition of the C.L. Brown Show, taping on location from Houston, the site of the college football playoff national championship game. I am your host, C.L. Brown, columnist with the Louisville Courier-Journal. We just watched Michigan's win over Washington signal the end of the four-team playoff. And the game will usher in a new expanded 12-team format beginning next season. To discuss what that means for the future of college football, I assembled an all-star panel of sorts of national college football writers to join the show and break it down. We'll hear from Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated, Nicole Auerbach from The Athletic and NBC Sports, Dan Walken from USA Today, and Ralph Russo from the Associated Press. But before we get to those interviews, let's detour for a CL Sounds Off segment. So I was listening to Michigan State men's basketball coach Tom Izzo and his post-game comments from their loss at Northwestern last week. And Izzo, besides the fact that he he really sounded, probably for the first time that I've heard, but it might not be for for other people that closely follow the program. Maybe he's done this before now. He really sounds like a coach who's ready to join his peers, like Jay Wright of Villanova, Roy Williams at North Carolina, Coach K at Duke, Jim Beheim, all of the greats of the game who have retired in the last within the last four years um it just seems like you know spartans aren't achieving at the level they normally achieve at he's 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 sounding tired man he's sounding tired but one of the things what i picked up on and what i wanted to talk about was Izzo (laughs) obliterated the use of analytics basically uh, essentially just saying it's phony. And I wanted to dive in on that a little bit because first, the, let's talk about the positives of analytics. Cause you know, it, it, when used as a supplement, I think they can be great. Um, if you are a player shooting 75% from three point range in the right corner, but 20% from everywhere else, then you know, the coach is going to design a play to get you in that right corner, right? That's analytics. But Izzo is right on the overuse of these metrics. The NCAA net rankings is what kind of pops up in my mind because last year I felt like they they relied too heavily on the net. And, you know, the net basically replaced RPI I forgot what year it was, but, you know, maybe 2018 or so um, in the NCAA tournament committee when they are weighing two similar teams. And, you know, it's supposed to be just something that they use among everything else at their disposal that they can decide who's worthy of a bid. Uh, But it, it almost seems like a crutch that you can go to those numbers to justify who you put in and who you leave out. But the overuse of that, I think, is, again, going to be bad for a conference like the ACC 
Um, I'd be surprised if the league gets four bids. Um, uh, well, maybe they should get four bids, but I'd be definitely surprised if it goes to five. Like it, it's going to be another year. It's another down year, as we've discussed on this pod before, for the ACC, and it's also going to be a year where <laughs> it's not going to be a whole lot of of units they earn. They can earn in the NCAA tournament from multiple, you know, just having a half the league uh, get bids. Um, this is one of those where the top of the league is, is going to have to hold it down for everybody else. Um, and the problem that I have with that is uh, you, you can look at a team like Wake Forest as a case study because the Demon Deacons, who might legitimately be a contender to win the league at this point, um, they were without center Efton Reed. Uh, he's only played in seven games this year. He wasn't cleared to play initially. Um, they're also, the Deacons will get back senior guard Damari Monsato, who's, who's big shot taker, big shot maker for them. He hasn't played all season, but he's expected to be back later this month from a knee injury. So in other words, they're, they're a completely different team, um, now, and they'll still change more, uh, than the team that had losses in non-conference play to LSU, Georgia, and Utah. But committee members will only know that if they take the time to look up from the numbers. You know, um, obviously they'll see those losses in non-conference play to other major conference schools. And it's, it's you know, <laughs> it's not a positive uh, for Wake Forest. But it's definitely a team. I think if they played those three teams again right now on a neutral court, I think Wake Forest would win every one of those games again so it's just the lesson i think to use metrics and doses use use the analytics in doses to supplement to help but not to take over as Izzo pointed out this is still a game where you gotta look at somebody in the eye and understand that their heart and their fight and their want to uh things that you can't measure will ultimately have an impact on the game. That's it for Sound Off. Let's move on to interviews. And joining me on the podcast, I have my man, needs no introduction, Pat Forty of Sports Illustrated, also formerly of the Courier-Journal. Shout out. (laughs) Shout out to Harry Bryant. (laughs) Old days, yes. Yes, yes. Well, so this is kind of uh, a line of, of we're crossing in new frontier into a new frontier in college football. This is the last. Uh, this was the last of the 14 playoff, expanding to 12 teams next year. What do you feel like this means for the future of college for college football in terms of the rest of the bowls that quote unquote don't matter? You yeah. know, we saw the situation with Georgia and Florida State mm-hmm. and all the opt outs and how bad that was for for fans. And um, it just seems like to me, you know, I, I, I'll let you say it, but okay. uh, it seems like to me like we're, we're going to move towards an NFL model for college football and some of the traditions like bowl games are going to go by the wayside. Yeah, I mean, I think that we are moving that way and there will be some collateral damage to the bowl games and I don't care. 
<laughs> I don't think the bowl games are that important. Um, I think they've actually held back the sport too much. I think 12-team playoff is going to be rocket fuel in terms of fan interest, in terms of revenue and ratings and all that business, too. You know, there's going to be more schools that are going to be in the hunt to get into the playoff through November. Um, I think the the excitement of on-campus playoff games is going to be incredible. Uh, you know, I just I think this is going to be a fantastic new era, and I can't believe it's taken us this long to get here. Exactly, exactly. Well, uh, speaking of some of the other schools that might have a chance that didn't currently, well, not didn't have a chance, but it was very slim chance, Kentucky and Louisville, schools like that that aren't the big brand names of college football. Um, obviously, the SEC expansion, that's two more tough teams that Kentucky may have to go through to, yeah. to be in a position to, to get a bid, but do you feel like this is opportunity for Louisville, UK, or do you feel like there's there's a better chance that they might kind of get left behind? I think it's opportunity, absolutely. Um, you know, for Louisville right now, the way things are set up, you got to be excited. Um, you know, if you're the second best team in the ACC going forward, you might feel like you're going to be one of the top 12 and get in there. Um, for Kentucky, yeah, the competition is now much harder, um, you know, just within the conference with Texas and Oklahoma coming in. And I mean, I've been looking at the 2024 schedules. They are brutal in the SEC and in the Big Ten. Uh, so there's going to be more losses. But there's also that chance. I mean, Kentucky puts together a special season. You you're, you know, you're, you're, if the SEC gets four teams in a playoff, you could be one of them. I mean, if they had had a 12-team playoff this year, Missouri and Mississippi would have been in. And there's not really big separation between Missouri, Mississippi, and Kentucky in terms of programs, I don't think. So, so the... <laughs> I just wanted to follow up with one more thing. In Louisville, going into the last couple of games of the season, they would have been that that carrot would have been Absolutely. dangling. Like you know, yeah. there's a possibility of this. Um, so I'll end it with this: Is there one thing you see or would like to see college football do? You know, um, in the future, that's that's you mentioned what was holding the sport back like that you'd like to see to kind of yeah. clean things up um you know they they've got to figure out the calendar for one thing they, they get rid of the december signing period move yeah. that back to february the way it used to be get that out of the way because there's so much other stuff going on um and then you know they're gonna have to figure out how to uh, maneuver the the transfers and the nil stuff I, i'm fine with the players getting paid but the the completely wide open transfer market, while it's been good for Louisville particularly, and not bad for Kentucky either, but I don't think it's it's good for the sport as a whole. You know, I just I think that first of all, it's going to kill graduation rates, um, and I think fans are going to be like, "Who's on the team again?" You know, when you're going through total roster turnover every year, I think you're going to lose a little bit of the fan buy-in of like yeah these are my guys i've been watching them for three years you know four years i feel like i know them now they're not, they don't know them. yeah yeah well there you have it wisdom from pat 40 appreciate you joining the show my pleasure thanks you and joining me i have my dear friend nicole auerbach from the athletic nicole thanks for joining the show of course anytime yes yeah, so we're talking about the future of college football obviously next year 12 team playoff how do you see that affecting just the game itself and and what that does for the bowl games and the other bowl games, I should say. And how do you see it kind of playing out? 
Well, first of all, I think it's a big positive for this sport because I think we're going to not write off a bunch of teams the second that they lose a game or they lose two games earlier in the year. And there will be different benchmarks. It's going to be a big deal to make the playoff or get a home game or get a bye. Like, there will be different things that people can play for, but there will just be more teams alive in November, and I think that's going to be healthy. But it's going to be a big challenge for everybody that's not part of that because the bowl games will be even down a peg than they were now. And so to me, like the big keys are that those bowl games are going to have to get creative. Like I think lean into the goofiness, like we saw with the pop tarts bowl and the mascot. Um, they might have to consider paying players to play in those games, but mostly I just think it's on us to, to not ignore them or say that they're meaningless. Like I think there's always going to be meaning for teams that haven't been bowling in a long time or taking a step in a rebuild. Like, we need to not ignore those types of stories as people who cover the sport or fans or everyone else tied around it. So there's a few things that are going to be struggles for sure, but I do think overall the sport will be better off and it'll be more national because you'll have more teams involved and engaged throughout the season because they can actually play for a national title. Yeah. Speaking of more teams, obviously Louisville and Kentucky, um, I want to be specific about them hitting close to home. Is there a chance, what do you see in terms of the schools that might get left behind? They're, they're not big brands in college football, you know, um, and, and the SEC is going to get tougher with, yeah. with uh, Kentucky's road to be tougher. And Louisville, who knows what's going to happen with the ACC if it ends up falling apart, you know. Do they have a life raft somewhere, you know? like Yeah, it's a lot of uncertainty. And I think if you're Kentucky, even though it is going to get harder to win in football, you got to feel good about being in one of the two leagues that everyone's trying to get into. Because from a resource standpoint, your opportunities are going to be different because you have the money coming in. And that helps with whatever happens to college sports and whatever it looks like five, ten years from now. Plus, you just know that the SEC leadership, just like the Big Ten, they'll have a say in what happens and what things look like moving forward. But if you're Louisville, I understand the anxiety. Absolutely. It's also it's a conference that obviously got the Florida State lawsuit, but it's really struggling with its identity. It's always been a basketball league, and then now football is driving the decision. So who are you? Who invests in the sports that matter? It's really complicated, and there's a lot of different approaches in that conference. But I think everyone's just kind of watching very curiously with what happens with Florida State because if that creates a way for those schools to suddenly become available, everyone's going to be trying to position themselves for those life rafts. And I think the Big 12 has been trying to position itself to be the third league, right? And so I think that for a lot of those schools in the ACC that maybe aren't going to be like the number one option for the Big Ten or the SEC, there will probably be opportunity in the Big 12. I think it's like the idea of the best of the rest or the best of whatever it is that could still be a power conference, a power school. There's like, you know, this idea of a new subdivision that the NCAA is tossing around. Like whoever opts into playing at the highest level, still grouping together, whatever that might look like. I think there's going to be a future for those schools that are, that are willing to invest and spend at the highest level to compete for national championships in the sports that matter the most. So um, it's very uncertain. I understand the anxiety and it's really hard to predict. I'm not going to crystal ball this, but I do think that there are going to be options for the schools that want to opt into it. And, you know, obviously people can get left behind. Others need to want you to, but the big 12 is trying to make a business out of some of the schools that others would have left behind or thought to leave behind. And I think there's going to be some space and and some activity and some power in that as well. Let me ask you this and we'll leave it at, we'll leave off on this. You are, I just anointed you college football commissioner. (laughs) 
I would love that job. Whatever choice you want to make to try and push the game forward, what, what would it be right now? What it would be right now is that football is uh, is a football conference. I would let everyone go back to regional conferences for other sports. I would separate all of those decisions out. Even if, you know, again, the money is covering other sports and providing opportunities. I just don't think that decisions around, you know, wanting a USC Michigan football game should affect volleyball and soccer. And you lose so much regionality and so many rivalries in all of these other sports, but also the cost gets exorbitant because of these decisions that are made for football. So that would be my number one thing. I would pull football out and that you could be in a football conference. We can structure it however you want to do. AFC, NFC, all these ideas people throw around, but just separate it out. Don't make all of the sports and the entire athletic department have to deal with decisions that you're making for football. And I think that that would still keep a lot of what is core to what college sports is, which is the regionality. She is Nicole Auerbach. Follow her work on The Athletic. See her on NBC Sports doing big-time things. Nicole, big-time. Thank you for joining the show. Anytime. All right, joining the show now, Dan Wolken, columnist with the USA Today. Thanks for joining me, Dan. Appreciate being here. Let's start with you have the hat, the all-powerful commissioner of college football. What is your day one move? Well, I think the biggest thing that could just make everything more stable and more organized and kind of stop the chaos, which seems to be what frustrates people the most, transfer portal, NIL, all those issues, I think if you just accept that these athletes are employees and that you need to collectively bargain with them, you could solve all these issues. I don't want to say easily because nothing's ever easy, but you at least have a process to say, all right, here's one side and here's the other side. And you're going to sit at a table and you're going to hammer out together what's best for everybody. That's how it works in the NBA, the NFL, all these other leagues. And you can do it in college football. You just have to then accept that this is a professional sport. And that's the thing that the people who run college football, college athletics, don't seem to want to accept, that they are a professional organization. Look at where we are right now, all right? We're in a pro stadium, you know, 80,000 people paying massive amounts of money to watch this game on ESPN in front of millions of people. Like, you can't sit here and say this is amateur sports. So I just think, like, you can sit down and hammer these things out in a collective bargaining process and say, yeah, you know what? It really doesn't make a lot of sense that we're doing transfer portal stuff in December before bowl prep while coaches are changing jobs and all this stuff. Like it, it doesn't really work. Right. So you just make a system and a solution that, you know, everybody is going to have something they don't like or something they want. And you, that's how negotiations work. But I just think that's the biggest thing that I would do to at least get a handle on some of these things that seem to frustrate people a lot. Indeed, indeed. So, obviously, this was the last year of the 14 playoff, expanding to 12 teams next year. What do you feel is – how is – what's going to be the biggest impact of that expansion on college football? Yeah, I, I think that the way we watch the season is going to be different. I don't exactly know how. I'm going to be interested to see how it plays out. But I just think about, like, the Michigan-Ohio State game this year. It was winner take all. It was – we knew whoever won that game was going to go to the playoff. The winner or the loser was going to be out. Those kind of games are going to be harder and harder to find, and, and they're not going to exist at the highest level. They're going to be more like 
for the you know number eleven, number twelve spot, yeah. and so I think you lose some of that. And those types of games really have for decades made college football special and interesting. And you, you just get so wrapped up in, in you know whether it's an Alabama LSU game or a Michigan Ohio State or those types of things. It's just different when you're playing for seeding. Yeah. And so I just think the way we consume and talk about it is is probably the biggest thing that's going to change. And obviously, it's going to be really good for you know some of those programs on the fringes, your Penn States, you know, who just haven't been able to break through, but you know they're 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 kind of in that next tier. Yeah. Well, at least Penn State is one of the big brands. So when you look at Kentucky football, when you look at Louisville football, how do you think schools like that, you know, will be affected? In the future. I'm not sure they're going to be affected that much because, like, what have they been playing for now and for the last 20 years? You know, they're, Kentucky's not really ever contended or been close to contending for a national championship or an SEC championship. Um, you know, Louisville is going to be one of the better programs in the ACC probably, and so they'll have a chance to, to make the playoff every now and then, which will be great for them. But, like, Louisville's probably not winning a national championship in college football. So I'm just not sure it's going to have that much of an impact. Um, I think, if anything, it'll be a positive because there, there will be hope that those schools can get to that level. Uh, or at least everything comes together and you get in as, as the you know, number 10 team in the country. That's doable for a Kentucky and, and a Louisville. Uh, not all the time, but every now and then. So I think it's probably only a plus. Uh, but I do think... It will ratchet up the pressure on those types of programs, those sort of mid-tier programs, because that sort of then becomes the mark of success. Yeah. You know, did you make the playoff or not? And if you don't make the playoff for you know five straight years, then you know it's 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 going to be, I think, probably bad for the coach, you know, or something like that. But generally speaking, day in and day out, I don't think it's going to have a negative impact. Well, he is Dan Walken. Catch his work at USA Today. Thanks for joining the show, Dan. Thanks, you. I appreciate it. And now joining me on the show, I have Ralph Russo, the Associated Press's national college football writer. And we are sticking with the theme of the future of college football. Let me start with you're the commissioner of college football. What's the what's the move you make on day one to kind of make the sport better? I think I got to figure out a way. I know this may be harsh to some people's ears to make the model a little more professional. And I know like paying players, get them contracts, get a little more player involvement in the decision making. Again, I understand for a lot of people that's jarring in college football, but I actually think it'll make things a lot more calm. You'll have certainty on how long players are going to be around playing. You'll be able to sort of trade off like the NFL does. Hey, you know, you have this many years. Um, and we'll give you a little more money. I just think it'll bring structure to college football yeah. that, again, it may look very different and it may be jarring to people who think of these kids as amateurs. But I think even the coaches suggest, hey, if we look, if we leaned into that more, we would create a, a, a more stable situation than we have now where we have outside entities paying these kids yeah. and people coming and going. Yeah, it's kind of the Wild West. So, um, obviously, we just saw the last of the 14 playoff crown a new champion. Next year, we'll move to 12 teams. 
what do you feel like the impact, the the biggest impact expanding 12 teams, uh, two 12 teams is going to have on college football? Yeah, I think the biggest impact for, especially for fans, is this idea of what is a successful season. And I think it combines with realignment. And you see, especially in the Big Ten and SEC, these monster schedules. And all of a sudden, it's like we have all grown up with a college football where you win, you know, you go undefeated. Maybe you lose one game. Okay, you lose two and you're out. Now we're going to be living in a world where two losses, that's that's still a good season. That's still a playoff season. Um, And even the dynamic of like, wow, like we lost three games, but man, look at our schedule. Like we're still in the mix. That's going to be so different for for college football. You know, going from the top 12 and now all of a sudden, if you're number 13, you're the one feeling the sting. Right. But it just I think the dynamics of what is a successful season completely changes around whether we were in playoff contention and again what playoff contention is because it used to be playoff contention was we only lost one game and we were around the you know like louisville even this year was sort of in playoff contention until november but you had to win you had to be almost undefeated to do so so that's i think the thing that's going to be even hard for fans to adjust to like well man we lost two or three games by mid-season, but you're not necessarily out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's going to feel like the NFL. It's going to feel a lot like the NFL. And again, again, I understand why some people might not like that, but I think it it also, I'll I'll do it a little different. It's not quite the same because it's not 68 teams, but it is a little bit like if you start thinking of it like basketball, where if you make the tournament, for some teams, just making the tournament is a a big year. For other teams, it depends on how far they get in the tournament, and that's where the measure of success is. And I think that that's going to be the way college football coalesces, where for some programs, man, you have that special season and just get in, that's great. Whereas if you're Ohio State or Alabama, we're kind of expecting you to just get in now, and now it's you're being, you're being judged by how far you go. Yeah, so I, I'm glad you kind of mentioned that separation uh, of expectations for some brands. What, what do you think is going to happen for for places like Louisville and Kentucky that aren't the biggest brands in college football? What happens to those kind of schools on you know on that level? I I think it does help. Now there's a couple of different levels here, right? Because if you start combining the uh, conference realignment piece, especially if I'm Kentucky, yeah. and all of a sudden like one year I wake up to a schedule with <laughs> Texas. I don't know what their schedule is next year yeah. off the top of my head, but if I wake up to a schedule one year with Texas, Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, oh man, like what are we doing here? But I do think, again, those special seasons like Louisville had this year, maybe Kentucky when they've had 10 and 2 seasons, and it, you, you know, you celebrate those seasons and it feels really good. Think about those seasons where now you play a playoff game. Like that becomes a huge deal. That would be crazy. You know, for those schools that necessarily like can't necessarily string together like those 10 win seasons, but they are capable of doing a 10 win season every now and then. I, I think it really does change what the ceiling is and what the what that means for those programs. I think it could be a big boost for those programs. Because you'll be able to say, hey, we made the playoff. We didn't have to necessarily be the best team in the SEC to make the playoff. We could be, everything came together for us, and we were the third or fourth best team in the SEC, and we got in. We're the second or third best team in the ACC, and got in. 
Well, he is Ralph Russo. You can catch his work uh, through the Associated Press. <laughs> Appreciate you joining me. Thanks, Hill. Now it's time for some pickup lines. We're going to have to do this a little bit different for college basketball. So I ended the football season losing on Washington. I, I took the points. Michigan covered that pretty easily. Um, but I'm hoping to do better in basketball. <laughs> hoping to rebound this week. What I'm going to do is because basketball lines are not released earlier in the week they're not released for uh you have to wait until the game is literally a day before uh, or day of so i'm gonna look at my friend kenpalm.com his site and the predicted scores of games as kind of that is my barometer of where the point spread might be slash should be on these games so we'll, we'll talk loosely it obviously won't be um as necessarily on the money every time like football lines can be and even those lines change during the course of a week but um we'll have a general you know some general parameters to work with so let's start with louisville at home against nc state on saturday KenPalm.com predicts a 79-71 victory for the Pack. So that would be Louisville getting eight points. Um, I think, well, really, I think the play here is the under. Um, NC State struggled at Notre Dame, their last road game out, where they, they trailed the entire game until... Uh, DJ Burns hits a shot with, what was it, I think like 0.6 seconds left in the game to to win that game for them. Um, They shot only 28% from the field. To to win a game like that on the road, I mean, it it definitely shows that, you know, NC State kept at it. You know, they kept fighting. They did a lot defensively in the game that put them in position to win. But they also only scored 52 points in their loss at Ole Miss. So I don't think, even with the struggles that Louisville has had, I don't think NC State is going to come in the Yum Center and shoot lights out and score a bunch of points. I think they will have another kind of slow game offensively, which I don't think this gets to. I don't think either team reaches 70 in this game. Um... And I think if we're going off of KenPalm.com and the 150-point total um, from their predictive metrics, I'm going to say let's go. Let's take the under in this game. And if I had to play a team, I would still lean NC State just, again, based on on, uh, the struggles that Louisville is having right now. Let's move on to UK, which... Kim Palm has as an 80 to 79 winner at Texas A&M, which would make UK a one point favorite on the road. Uh, I mean, the Cats are on a roll. You know, they've 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 kind of found their groove, found their rhythm, um, and until 
somebody knocks them off of that rhythm, I'm going to stick with them. I think they go down, they get this win. Texas A&M is kind of, you know, a team at the beginning of the year that was preseason top 25, and a lot of people thought that they uh, would be a serious contender for the SEC crown. Uh, and they still could. I'm not totally discounting that, but I, I just don't think that they are playing at the same level as the Cats right now. So uh, I'm sticking with uh, Big Blue in that one. Um, and we will look at one national game. Kansas is a four-point favorite over Oklahoma, according to KimPom.com, 74-70. They're playing this game in Allen Fieldhouse, and I feel like I learned a long time ago I would never bet the road team in Allen Fieldhouse. Like never. <laughs> like the the even if I thought Vegas had gone crazy on whatever their spread was, I would still believe Kansas would find a way to cover because that building helps them win games. It's it's incredible to behold. If you ever get the chance to go to Allen Fieldhouse, you'll understand why. But all that being said, I mean, I think Oklahoma is, is definitely a great team, solid team, top, you know, top 12 team for sure in the country. But I don't see an avenue for them getting it done at Kansas and uh, against that crowd. So that'll do it for pickup lines and that will wrap up another episode of the cl brown show i thank you so much for tuning in if you feel so uh so inclined click on those subscribe buttons leave a comment leave something positive because we need more love in this world right and if you don't feel inclined then just sit back relax we'll drop another new episode on wednesday I'll be back taping from my regular locations, either at home or the office, no longer on the road. But I thank you for tuning in and come on and join us again. Mm-hmm.